0: Hello and welcome to
1: the Archers. I am half of your co-host. My name is Katie.
0: Hello, this is Madison, and we are joined today with some very special guests, some fellow Gaylers, some fellow Gayler podcasters. You guys want to introduce yourselves?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Sunny. I am one co-host of the Lunar Menace podcast. I use they, them pronouns, and I am a Cancer Sun, Capricorn Moon, Gemini Rising. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, love that introduction. Thank you for establishing that. (laughs) We love
1: a big three introduction. Yeah. (laughs)
3: Hello, my name is Renaissance. I'm the other co-host of the Lavender Menace podcast. I also use they, them pronouns. And I am an Aries sun, Gemini moon, Virgo rising. So, shout out to the Virgo placements.
1: Yes, yes. We love a Virgo placement. It's so amazing to have you two here today. Madison and I had the pleasure and opportunity to be on an episode of the Lavender Menace, where we talked about all four of our top ten Taylor songs, and wow, forty songs in one episode of a podcast. What a uh conquest that was <laughs>
3: and I mean, thank goodness there were some overlaps as well. We were able to add a good number of songs you know to each other's tabs, but it was a lot it was a lot
0: that was brave of us. It-
1: it really was. So we really wanted to have you on to talk about an album that we haven't really focused on at all uh, so far on the Archers but is always big in my mind and I know Madison's mind as well. and that is the reputation album. everyone cheered
0: <laughs> I got a hold of a soundboard. I swear I'm not gonna do <laughs> yet. Yeah
1: us a little bit about, because it was your, I think it was your suggestion to do the Reputation podcast as, like, the the topic for our collab, and... I would love to hear what it is about the Reputation album that you both wanna talk about. Like what it is that makes you wanna talk about it.
2: It's gay. <laughs> it's so undeniably gay. It was like, I don't know, it's like the first time where I see her do her whole flag shtick. Like the the on tour with the dresses and stuff. Like she was just she was crazy for that. She that's wild. <laughs> Like reputation as a stadium tour was gayer than opening up 1989 with uh Welcome to New York that one line girls and girls and girls yes yes that line like reputation just gayer than that like I don't know it's just uh, the vibes you know like I think everyone knows this like I don't well we remember we had
3: the one listener uh, archers listeners please feel free to listen to the Lavender Menace podcast but we on that podcast. We had a listener write in saying that they didn't like Reputation. And essentially our reply was, no, 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 <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> you should listen to it again. I think that episode is literally titled, Is Reputation Overrated? <laughs> For me, Reputation was the first album that I love post that era. Because like that was when it came out when I was like, Taylor, maybe we need a break, respectfully. Yeah. Um, And so I think, like, obviously I'd probably, like, listen to the album more. You know, I'd heard some of the songs, especially through, like, the editing world and stuff like that. A lot of songs became audios and everything. But listening to the album, I got into, like, maybe like after Evermore, like when I started to listen to the albums that I hadn't heard before. And when you, uh, you know, once all the dust settles (laughs) of that drama, it really, it aged so well. And also just like the music is good. And then also it's so gay. Like another reference to the episode that we recorded, like if Evermore is when Emily Dickinson is getting the head of her life, like this is Taylor Swift getting the best head of her life, you know? Undeniably yeah. so. And I love that for her. And I love that we have it in musical form. <laughs> and the concert movie is fantastic. So. Oh my
0: god. That concert movie completely transformed the way that I consumed this album. Like, yeah, like you said, mm-hmm. it really, I think that's the biggest thing I hear about this album, even from people who aren't necessarily Swifties, that this album aged like fine mm-hmm. wine. Like, literally everyone can agree that when it came out it has a very different impact than it does now like four years yeah. later five years later however long it's been oh my god it's been a long time since Reputation came out
2: especially in the aftermath of the Scooter Braun situation and what Kanye's doing right now and like the whole Kimmy situation like hindsight is fucking 2020 or whatever because I don't know I mean it didn't take much I think for her to be able to understand how things were going to play out and unravel but she's just a masterful like weaver of her own narrative and <laughs> like she knew, she, she literally knew, knew it was the thing. and I think, and like we're we're all understanding that now, and we're all like recognizing her for the genius that she is because of folklore and Evermore, and we can look back at Reputation and be like, okay, so no, like this bitch was onto something, like. <laughs>
1: Oh, Sunny, I just feel like you really summed it up in, like, the perfect way. Like, that is exactly right. Like, we needed – that's, like, the thing, too, about pop artists. It's, like, a lot of times they need to do something that is, like, socially accepted to be art. Like, actual art. And, like, a folk album is a great way Mm -hmm. to tell everyone, like, I'm serious now. Like, right. I, I'm an right. artist, and like luckily because of that because she was willing to like play the game of being a serious artiste and releasing Folklore and Evermore now we can look back on Reputation and really all of her albums I really see Speak Now as having a similar moment where everyone's like wait bitch she literally wrote every single song on Speak Now and people are instead of being like oh she's just like a little teenage girl a little like boy crazy like young woman Instead, we're like, oh, she's been an artist. She's been a singer-songwriter trademark for decades and reputation I just love that like it can get to the point where people think it's overrated because it's been underrated for so long underrated and misunderstood I'm really glad that you broke it down in that way because it's that's exactly right it's like now we can take all of her music seriously because she's played the game
2: And like she talks about playing the game even like i was just not listening to your guys's new robotics episode where she talks about like i'm about to play my ace and the fact that reputation followed that and like like she's a schemer she gets it like (laughs) i was gonna say this all reminds me of actually one of katie's tweets
3: i'm a big fan of, of katie's twitter and you tweeted uh, everything that you know about Taylor Swift could be a lie, and that's why you've dedicated your life to finding the truth, which is also a very funny tweet, like it is funny, but also I think, which is initially what, what made me very much like the tweet, But I think it's true in that like, because there is like, it's both like, she's a schemer, she's a scammer, but also so truthful. And because she's so honest, that's why it ages well. Like if she tried to play the like lying game that, you know, all these men were trying to play against her, and then it turned out that what she was writing or her perspective on things was not the reality of the situation. That it backfired, but because it hasn't, and because like you know, time will tell. Like the truth will come out, and because that's mm-hmm. that has already been implanted in these lyrics, like through Reputation or even later with like Mad Woman or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. the wife always knows. And then later we find out that the wife may have always known, you know, it's because she's so honest in that way, it does allow us to really like trust her lyricism in a way that even in the world of like PR and, you know, Taylor Swift trademark, you know, her (laughs) as a corporation, we can kind of like see past that because she is always going to be able to like have these kernels of truth in what she writes in the things that she has a hundred percent control over, like speak now as an album and then obviously with Reputation and that albums afterwards that she owns
0: that was really greatly put i mean like she literally said baby i got mine but you'll all get yours and she was not fucking kidding like four years later hearing that line gives me chills because i'm like mm-hmm. damn she was not fucking around like they really did all get theirs and she got hers and i always
3: have to recheck the timeline of reputation of if it came out before or after something happened because it sounds like she's writing about like the stuff that happened in 2020 i feel like it like prophesize like prophet I prophesize she's a prophet um of like the re-recordings and like fallouts and just the articles yeah. and then I'm just like wait was this written? what are the dates on this because it sounds like like she could draw a reputation I feel like tomorrow and say that it's about like what happened in the past like two years and it would sound
1: accurate you know i completely agree i completely agree it she really does have this way of like prophetizing she really does like it's a very very strange so we did like the valentine's day episode where all of us were like sharing um you know uh, as queer people like what taylor's music means to us if you haven't listened to that listeners please go listen to it it's um really emotional and it makes everyone that's listened to it cry and cry but in it like i didn't know what lizzie was going to write Till I heard her read it um Lizzie my wife she literally quoted a letter she wrote to me in 2015 about love feeling like dawn and like daylight that Lizzie wrote to me fast forward to the reason why daylight is like our song is because Taylor literally put that into words like she Taylor is so tuned in to the collective consciousness, like just the universe vibes like she's really writing about these experiences that are like, I don't know, it just really makes me realize that time is a space and not a line, you know, because Taylor really can tap into it. No, it reminds me of this like this tweet that I made a while
2: back that was that was kind of where I was thinking about this where it's like all good artists understand that time is cyclical like it's not linear time is not linear like every good artist knows this whether you're a writer or a dancer or what like if you make art then you know this because it's like listening to all of her music now especially with the re-recordings and stuff when you look back at it it's like these things are so applicable in bad blood she was who was she talking about we don't know but looking back now it's like that can apply to so many of the relationships that she she was she was writing and performing bad blood under uh big machine records like come on you know what i mean like she it's these things where it's like people and the nature of this whole time thing it's because everyone is coping with the same emotions from different situations so it's like applicable in so many different situations i don't know it's just like it's crazy like that's that's a good artist you know that bad
3: blood yeah That Bad Blood music video, huge sexual awakening. Because, I'm sorry, the cast of that music video, absolutely insane. Absolutely, like, I mean, also, Katie, you thought you could just tell that story about you and Lizzie and I wouldn't just start crying immediately, like, ten minutes into the body that one, that, that, that got me. I just have to give respect where
0: respect I is look new. over and Renaissance is fanning their eyes. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, hold it together, <laughs> hold
3: it together. That, that one with the letter and the daylight, that one got me. That one Not got me. Not crying
0: in the Reputation <sighs> episode. No,
3: it's <laughs> bad bitches only, okay? Tough, but I always think that I'm, like, heartless and I don't care that much about love. And then I hear one story about a sapphic couple and it's, over for me, like traffic couples, over. But anyways, but but that that's what reputation is for. <laughs> so it's appropriate. I love that you love Katie and Lizzie so much. So do I. So, so
1: does Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I think that that really like sums it up. That reputation is very similar to how I describe my Virgo moon as a tough walnut on the on the surface and then being like fat and like mushy and like nourishing and warm on the inside. Like literally like a hard shell to protect the softest inside. And I just I I wish that if I could, like, really spread the word and evangelize about any music, it would be the Reputation album. It really would. I would be on my little soapbox telling people that um, the end is near. Yeah,
0: Katie's gonna start going door-to-door. Katie's uh, gonna yeah. go on missions. She's gonna go door-to-door. <laughs> She's gonna be like, yeah. have you heard the word of Miss Swift circa 2017?
3: I mean, we have called her a prophet multiple times, so I feel like we are not even a full step away. We're like a half, we're, if, if this is happening, instead of being like the actual Church of Mormon, we're like the Book of Mormon musical, like that is, (laughs) that is the level of (laughs) religion that we're currently at with Taylor Swift, where it's like based off of. And there's some real life moments, but it's a fictional, campy Broadway show. I love
1: that.
0: Katie, what you said about The Walnut really reminds me of what she said about the album, about how there's like these parts of the album that are like really, she described it as like metallic and they sound like warlike almost, like very, especially think songs like Ready for It. So the verses are very like, and then like, the chorus is like in the middle of the night and then it gets all dreamy and that's how she describes the album literally is that there's two sides to it what's happening outside of her window is like this warlike sounds and what everyone thinks is happening on the outside and then what's actually happening on the inside is her like safe with this love and kind of keeping it sacred and soft for herself so it's so interesting that you compare it to the walnut like that was exactly what she said too
3: and may I be so bold to add that this reminds me of the relationship between the like Folklore and Evermore albums and you guys talk about it especially with like her tree metaphors where there's like the above the trees but then she's deep in it and I think that there's like in some of the perspectives with the songs in Folklore and Evermore that are a bit more folklore (laughs) like more storytelling her songs switch from like the outside perspective versus like the narrator's perspective Um, especially with something like, you know, The Last Great American Dynasty, that's a whole story of a woman's life through gossip. So it's all throughout the outside perspective. But then you have something as like intimate and personal and introspective as like Seven or This Is Me Trying or Mirrorball that kind of plays with the two like, I want everyone to like look at me. But in that song, she's like basically telling us her deepest (laughs) fears and insecurities as well. And I think that like we see that kind of, playfulness of perspective and reputation as well but because she's kind of like in the active fire of it you know I think like the contrast is very much like the intro song where like it sounds like a UFC fight is about to start in the beginning and then the chorus like you said is so like in the middle of the night you know like it's so cutesy but yeah I think she she does a good job at playing with that.
1: So I actually, okay, you talking about Renaissance, you talking about Great American Dynasty, I know this is supposed to be a Reputation episode, I'm sorry. But I just, I've been thinking a lot about, I feel like I recently saw a tweet that was like, do you remember when we were young and everyone thought that cats were girls and dogs were boys? And... I was thinking. Sorry, I'm just like, where is this (laughs) going? Okay, Madison. No, no, no. Trust. No, I am following and I trust it. (laughs) I'm
0: just dying because you're like. Speaking of Last American Dynasty cats are girls so
3: and i mean I we're talking to the the high priestess of the church of taylor swift here i think we can trust the process <laughs> no i do
0: i do i'm listening to the sermon please please i exactly. want to know the connection
1: right um right. okay so in the Great american dynasty she changes The story that actually happened of Rebecca Harkness, where she steals her neighbor's cat and dyes her key lime green. And in the song, she changes cat to dog. Isn't that very interesting that she does a, like, completely unnecessary, for all intents and purposes, shift in the truth? Almost like a bearded pronoun. Like, changing... A feminine of cat to the more like masculine recognized dog similar to how she might be changing pronouns from she to he for her songs,
0: just like in the context of her like changing little things to to match certain stories or to go against certain stories like one or the other to confirm or deny things, how gossip just gets like telephone game, you know what I mean, like how things get changed along right. the way. Yeah, I
3: was gonna say that just reminds me of every bait and switch is a work of art, you know, like the the rhyme doesn't rely on cat or dog. And they're the same number of syllables. So it doesn't really matter. (laughs) She could have put any one syllable animal in there if she wanted to. So I think she could have said pig. (laughs) Literally indicted in Elam Green. Like <laughs> It definitely works. And I d- did not know the original story of Rebecca outside of the-, the song. So I wouldn't have picked up on that detail. But now they pointed out, I think that it-, it again reminds me of Katie's brilliant tweet of-, of the dedication to the truth of Taylor Swift, you have to really look at these details, because she'll always kind of play, and I think that's why you should listen to our collab on The Lavender Menace with The Archers, where we talk about, um, Gaylers are gonna be, like, the long-standing fans. Like, there is a dedication to listening to what she actually has to say, and not just enjoying Taylor Swift for the enjoyment of pop music's sake, but to actually, like, listen to what she has to say. And that's often why I fight with so many people on TikTok, on a TikTok account of Hatlers in the comments section is that you guys aren't listening you guys want to say what you think and you want to craft your own narrative around her which is fine but then don't tell me wrong when i'm quoting her like you're like you are saying something that she's never said and i'm like i'm saying her own lyrics and i'm showing you clips from her own documentary what do you mean i'm the one not listening <laughs> to the truth and so i think katie that's a very smart observation of there's like these big you know gay moments or details you know or things that are we're just like ma'am that's that you're it's out (laughs) you're out but then there's also these like little details of just changing cat to dog that might suggest that it's like a bearding situation that are much more like there to find if you look for it and so I just love that I love that you can enjoy Taylor Swift on multiple on multiple levels you can put her in the background and just enjoy her music and it's fun that way you can like read all the lyrics he can learn about the story like and anyone can truly enjoy taylor swift what a great place to start reputation which is what this what a great (laughs) transition (laughs) <laughs> so,
0: what we decided to do, we all kind of picked like one song that we want to do like little mini deep dives on and then we're going to just kind of gab at the end about reputation in general, our favorite lyrics, um just overall
1: themes, everything like that. First, I just want to remind listeners as always, just because we're talking about reputation now in this format does not mean that we won't do entire episode deep dives of songs in the future or and I mean like we love reputation so much like just don't think that this is the first and only time we'll be talking about this album.
2: My choice song is just because it was in my top 10 ranking in our episode where, you know, the Archers were guesting on the Lavender Menace podcast and we made everyone give their rankings. And this was number 10 of like all my top 10 favorite Taylor Swift songs of all time. And I just think it's such a rich text. I'm looking at the genius analysis of it right now and it's pissed off so bad like what is wrong with these people like like what do you mean because the fact that the opening song or the opening lyrics to the song is our secret moment in a crowded room they got no idea about me and you like first of all the themes of like secrecy in her music it's probably like one of my favorites of her discography of her work my favorite themes because it's just so like gay and it's just so like real like i don't know like i think that that idea of a private like inner life very like cancer moon of her and obviously like i'm a cancer like and also like i you know i'm a gemini stellium so that idea of like, a secret inner life and like multiple faces for the public and stuff, uh, obs- Obsessed, but in Genius, they are, they, like, immediately attribute it to Joe Alwyn, right? And it's, like, why would you think that? Like, literally, why would you think that is the thing? Like, I don't understand. But they connect it to Cruel Summer, which, like, fair, because they're both, their like, they're songs about, like, secrets or whatever. I think that when she's in the pre-chorus, when she, well, okay, first of all, major mark on me, a golden tattoo. Hmm. <laughs> like, we, like, are we all thinking of the same picture right now? Because I'm thinking of the, I'm thinking of one picture. Uh, then the pre-chorus. There's all of the silence and patience, pining, and anticipation it's also crazy because the genius notes are still about Joe and it's like why is she being silent and okay using her own narrative right in her in Miss Americana itself she talks about how like okay like no one was seeing uh, me in general so like I just spent you know all this time being hidden from the public with the people that I love the person that I love so why is there silence and patience and pining and anticipation there what is what you're not holding back from any Anything. you are away from the public eye you're in this relationship with someone that's the narrative that she's presented to us so this song does not really fit into that but i mean regardless we there's no way for us to know because you know whatever like she the, just not for us to know but if we're just looking at the text itself it's crazy i think that people immediately attribute it to joe alwyn this is the thing people just see women as extensions of their boyfriends or their husbands or partners that's like all people see women as even if you are a woman like taylor swift like you can literally be taylor swift and people will be like oh what about her boyfriend it's like what he's irrelevant like literally irrelevant <laughs>
3: please i'm so happy that made an appearance once again i was gonna say who has ever pined for a man i know i'm a lesbian like i know i'm a lesbian but do straight women pine for a man that like like i i know people hyper that in my brain i know people date and marry men like i know that that is a reality that exists is that pining is my thing. Like, is yearning and pining something that heterosexual women do for a a heterosexual man is that a part of their culture this is a genuine question the archers listeners please tweet me at renaissance first ease and x and tell me if women pine for men because i don't believe it i'm gonna be honest even if you say yes i'm not sure i'm gonna believe you so i, I just to me that's silly
2: but <laughs> continue i just think that the fact that it's like my hands are shaking from holding back from you pining and desperately waiting what could i just feel like that is like You, that's just gay, like, I don't know how to explain it, like, that's just because why else would you have to, like, hold back from touching someone in public, especially when you're Taylor Swift, because we know that she goes around holding hands, her boyfriend, whatever, walking around in public all the time, and so why would she, why would her hands be shaking? From all this, from desperately waiting, like waiting for, like you're just you're just that horny. Okay. Anyway, so like, and then I think that the chorus, "Say my name and everything just stops." Pause. Like, I don't want you like a best friend. In the history of the world, has has a woman ever had to tell a man, "I don't want you like a best friend"? That's just not a thing that happens. Like, sorry, but men are just way more likely to just presume that you are going to fuck than be like, no, we're just best friends. It's way more likely for two girls who are best friends to be like, I don't want you like a best friend. Like, we're best friends. Like, that's not how I want, that's not what I want from this. And like, that's just not something you see with like straight relationships. I just don't understand. Like, and plus, I mean, I mean, maybe it is, maybe the thing, the friends were saying like, yeah, people people do that and i've i i I know it's a romance trope for the straights or whatever but the thing is is that i just don't get it especially when she says only bought this dress so you could take it off where and carve your name into my bedpost like that shit is so it's so romantic in a way that it's like men don't even notice the dress what man has ever paid attention to like the dress they don't get the artistry of it, to be quite honest. Like, they wouldn't understand. You also are someone who would probably wear that, you know what I mean? Like, in a I'm not even gonna try. What do you mean? Like, you're not even gonna try to not be gay? Is that why that we can see all of the proof of, proof of the homoerotic nature of your relationship? Like, you're not even gonna try to hide it? And then she says, and if I get burned, at least we were electrified. Like, she knows that she's actually so close to getting outed and at this point it's like she's not she, lover era hasn't happened yet she's not she's not actually said i'm bisexual in any like meaningful way so it's like she's saying like well if i get burned like we had a good fucking time slid that's another major theme of the album but i also love that like the fast pace with i'm swilling wine in the bathtub you kiss my face and we're both drunk okay there's so many songs in this album about her being drunk and also in reputation on is when she starts referencing alcohol really really regularly like alcohol and drug use as like a metaphor i guess which makes sense because before that she was like what her early 20s like late teens why would she be she you know she was a pop princess miss americana like she was not going to be doing drugs but now she's a grown woman so she you can drink wine and spill it in the bathtub okay but i also think like there is there's that girl gang thing that she had where like they would really like take baths together wine. it also kind of goes back to that queer girlhood thing that we talk about on the podcast all the time and also you guys were just talking about in the new romantics episode where it's like all the girls in the bathroom like you're all do- like getting ready or like you're all like you know in this scene it's you're in the bathtub like burned electrified bathtub so all these things it's like hot right it's like hot burning and then there's also like spilling wine uh and then like again bathtub so water right it's like really hot but also water. Like, fire, sun, water, moon? Also about that relationship between, like, water and fire, right?
0: Oh my god, that's such a good point, Sunny.
1: Electricity plus bathtub is literally death. And it's like, no. Even in a world where I'm like, I understand pining over men. I don't. Um, But even in a world where I, like, can... Understand that people are attracted to men and somehow it's still like literal visualizations of like suicide or murder like having things be so scary bathtub plus electricity like being electrified like that's there's that's a danger that's in publicly queer relationships. That is not a danger that's between two, like, white, blonde, straight people in a relationship.
3: For me, like, with the whole electricity plus bathtub, I picked up on that, but also with the implication that, like, her girlfriend or whoever is also in the bathtub with her, I think implies, like, if Taylor Swift was bi, why why wouldn't she come out? Well that wouldn't just be her coming out, that would imply the outing of so many other, I mean, at least two off the top of my head, but a a lot of other people. And so like her coming out, even though it's, you know, hot and fun and all this stuff, if either one of them comes out, it's like both dead, both gonzo, the kiss of death, if you will, because this will lead to their, you know, mutual demise. And I think that that really shows like the compassion that Taylor Swift has for the you know, women that she's loved and these people that she's had relationships, because even when they've burned her and betrayed her so deeply, she has not, even, even if she wants to come out, even if that's something that she individually wants to do, she will not in the protection of these other people who, you know, now have their own lives. And I, I think that that shows compassion um, and that she doesn't play in, into the like deep, deep toxicity and, and backstabbiness of that she might be pressured to, to play. That's so Evelyn Hugo-coded. I was gonna start literally, quote. I have the scene that you're talking, like I only quoted it once slightly, but I was literally just gonna start typing like word for word this scene that this reminded me of. And if you know the book and you know the scene that I'm thinking of, then you know the moment that I, that this, exactly. So
2: that's all that I'm going to say about it.
1: Yeah, dress is very Evelyn Hugo. <laughs> because
2: it's about, like, the, these closeted celebrity ear girl girls. Come on now. But, like, with the
3: hand, like, the, the idea of hand touching and secrecy and, and this, like, really close and spilling wine and There's there's so much here. So uh, spilling wine to leading to taking off clothing with someone that you want more than a best friend. Need I say more? I think not. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) I rest my case. Exactly. (laughs) It is
3: the tailors are influencing each other. So I don't know what the chicken or the Mm. egg situation here. Um, But when
0: you said that she holds, like, this compassion for people in her life where she doesn't want to, like, out them and she wants to protect, like, those relationships that could potentially be dangerous if they were outed. It's so funny because she holds that compassion for women very clearly if these songs are, like, sapphic, you know, the way that they are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then when it comes to men, it's like, if he drops my name, I owe him nothing. I literally will fly him around the world and then leave him for dead. I don't care. But then when it comes to dress, it's like, I'm going to protect the sacred holy thing between us. Like,
3: I don't... (laughs) You could literally electrify and kill me. I still love you. (laughs) She's like, I'm holding my beards hostage. I'm robbing them for all they're worth. If they drop my name, I owe them nothing. (laughs) Like, they're a bait and switch. I forgot that he existed. (laughs) They mean nothing to me. (laughs) Like, and then you have the one. And it's like, I'll always love you. Every time we cross paths. uh, I'm still your favorite city. I still do it for you, babe. <laughs> it's like that she will never recover. I
2: kind of feel bad for her. Yeah, no, that's the thing about like the whole thing about lesbians never getting over their exes. It's literally so true. Like I don't know how to explain. It's just like, and that's I think we see that in her music. Like she, that bitch just like, move on. I mean, you know, everybody moved on. Cancer Moon, right? Like, but I stayed there. Like, anyway. So then I was gonna say. So verse two ends with everyone thinks that they know us, but they know nothing about. But then it, she cuts. Herself off. Like, it's a dash, right? Like, everyone thinks that they know us, but they know nothing about. They know nothing about gay. Gay, 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 gay. Is that, is that a sound? Is that a sound? because she doesn't say they know nothing about us like she literally cuts herself off and she's not just talking about this relationship more there but then the bridge right but also line that everyone all the Hitlers turn to to be like oh this is about joe right your buzz cut and my hair bleached i just think that when she says even in my worst lies you saw the truth in me and i woke up just in time and i wake up by your side worst lies what lies because you were not lying about the kanye thing What are you lying about? And I do think that that throwaway line of your buzz cut and my bleach is just a way to throw people off the gay and that is the song, you know, like, I just don't think it doesn't feel right. I think you guys have talked about this before, where like, it just feels kind of shoved in there for no reason. But it's like a mantra of a song. But yeah, that's my piece on dress. This is like
0: her original bait and switch that bridge like that is the bait and switch that she is referring to in Willow genuinely. Like nothing has ever baited Hitler's more.
1: Sunny, I just really loved that real dive into Dress because I feel like Dress was one of the songs that I really liked in 2017, even when I was in my anti-Taylor phase. And yes, it was a phase. (laughs) I just love hearing all of those words like fresh for the first time almost like you literally going line by line like it's so fucking true like I don't want you like a best friend like bitch you're gay you're gay bitch how she is so willing to protect any of the like women or queer people she's been in relationships with because she doesn't want to out them we have to go back to the OG her not caring about men when uh, she literally says in a picture to burn like oh you think I'm obsessive and crazy I'll tell my friends you're gay. <laughs> I need that to be in the Taylor's version so bad. Like, if debut
3: Taylor's so version do doesn't I. come out, and it's not, like, that's gonna be, I, like, even before I listen to the whole album, I'm playing that song first to see.
1: Best case scenario for me is that she would change them to I'll Tell My Friends We're Gay.
3: <gasps> if she comes out
0: <laughs>
1: in the now, that Taylor now Taylor Swift out now. Taylor Swift <laughs> out <laughs> now. Taylor out now. Taylor's God. version. Taylor,
0: take notes. I'll tell Please. mine. We're gay. Take fucking
3: notes. Re-record it. She says she's like the fans will tell me what they think should have been a single and music videos. Taylor, here we are. add this to the list. Add this to the tab. I I want the gay lady. If you don't, you're homophobic. Oh, actually. No, literally. If if she takes out the homophobia of the that, that. that's more homophobic. No, I agree. Why are we why are we limiting Madison's free speech here, people?
1: <laughs> Madison wrote in the chat, my homophobic queen! Uh, I mean, if we're talking about debut, like
3: yeah. <laughs> like
0: Yeah, the genius interpreters they need to be punished Mm -hmm. for their hate crimes like they are in the same category as katie your english professor like american literature professor that gaslit you about emily dickinson being queer just because you can't read into the beauty and depth (laughs) of like these words as a man does not mean that everyone screaming from the rooftops about how relatable it is to sapphic relationships is yes. wrong
3: yes what the, it does. who the fuck it does is in charge sense. over at the
0: taylor swift genius sometimes i click on um the profiles of the people that are doing these interpretations like the little how they have like their usernames i'll click on them and i'm like what are your fucking credentials like what do you know and they don't know anything They're, they don't have credentials that's the thing like it's not even the like and and then Hitlers take those. In- the worst part is that Hitlers take these interpretations and they take them just as concrete truth as they take Taylor's word.
3: Not we saying that Hitlers take something as Bible, as if we haven't called her a prophet, started a church. I called Katie the high priestess. And we're just like, Hitlers take this as Bible. <laughs> How dare they? The song that I picked is
0: Dancing with Our Hands Tied. Um, this was the first song that I ever liked on reputation when I like gave it a chance probably in like 2019, I think and it was like the only song that I like picked out of reputation that I was like, I can like this Taylor Swift song And then I like played it for my gay friends and I was like, doesn't this like isn't this one kind of good? And everyone was like, no, we don't like Taylor Swift. And I was like, oh yeah, right, I forgot. I think that the lyrics um, I think that this song the lyrics get, really overshadowed by the fact that it has like this crazy like drop and it's like very like what's the word I don't know electronic it's very like dubstepy I feel like the lyrics get lost but those are kind of my favorite songs by Taylor are the ones where the lyrics get lost purposely because they're so fucking gay so she starts out by being like I loved you in secret again this theme of secrecy that Sunny mentioned also one of my favorite themes throughout her entire discography uh first sight we love without reason 25 years old how were you to know Totally just reminds me of How Was I to Know from Joker and the Queen, and also How's One to Know from Ivy. That kind of, like, unexpected thing, which happens with friends-to-lovers tropes, honestly. My love had been frozen, deep blue, but you painted me golden. You hailed me close, how was I to know? She's just basically saying, like, I didn't feel a love like this. Like, my heart had kind of turned cold, and I didn't have a reason for it to beat. you know of genuine reason until you painted me golden and kind of brought this warmth into my life that I didn't know I needed or even had, which is like so relatable when you're like discovering your queerness and like realizing that there's feelings beyond the ones that you've already been having. I just feel like it's so obviously gay. Same with dress too, but it also connects so much this pre-chorus to red and to like run. She says, Could have spent forever with your hands in my pockets, picture of your face in an invisible locket. So she's rhyming pocket to locket, which she does in Run. How gay is that? Could've spent forever with your hands in my pockets? Like have I don't know if y'all have ever done that with your girlies, but like putting your putting your hand in their pockets and it's like you're low-key grabbing their ass, but it's like no one has to know. Like we're just girlies. Like
3: this is just what we do for fun. <laughs> Madison, I think you were just gay. I think that one might just be a
1: gay I've never heard of a girl doing that to a boy, really. Like, I've definitely heard of boys putting their hands in their girlfriend's back pockets um so maybe we're wrong and taylor's just saying this from a man's perspective
0: right she says invisible locket so it's like no one sees this love again the secrecy no one sees her adoration that she has
1: for this person you know that lyric, to me, is, like, one of the, like, kind of smoking guns of her gay lyrics. The fact that she has to wear an invisible locket when she very publicly has always worn necklaces referencing the boys she's supposed to be with. Like, honey, your lockets aren't invisible, so what are you talking yeah. about? Ugh. Amazing. Her
0: angel boyfriend, obviously. Okay, sorry, I'm done with these straight jokes. Um, She said... You said there was nothing in the world that could stop it. I had a bad feeling, so this is kind of her being like, no, 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 no. I know you think that there's nothing in the world that can stop it, but I've been at this for years, and I know how this ends. Like this never goes well for me. Hence why my heart was frozen for so long because I can't do these secret things because it never works out. Something something always gets exposed. My anxiety always steps in. Something is gonna get ruined. It's also fragile. Um. But I love that she says, I had a bad feeling, but then she switches back and she's like, but you turned my bed into a sacred erasist. And, like, there was all of this, like, peace involved in it, even though I had this impending doom. And it's, like, so painful. Um, She says people started talking putting us through our paces. I knew there was no one in the world who could take it I had a bad feeling again repeating the fact that she had a bad feeling all of these feelings were really fun and nice and peaceful But that impending doom was always there Which is why I think the song is so like heavily dubstep and so kind of like intense Because it's like this is kind of the war that was happening Outside of her window that she references, you know what I mean? This is another one of those songs where it has both of those, like what was happening on her inside world and on the outside. And then she just says, but we were dancing, dancing with our hands tied. This whole song also reminds me of Cowboy Like Me. You asked me to dance and I said dancing's a dangerous game. She had a bad feeling.
1: Yes. Yes. It was just the New Romantics episode that we figured out that like you really key in to her dancing metaphors and i'm like really really grateful that we we realized that i'm a trains girl and you're a dancing's like girl because like i like dancing with our hands tied directly links to cowboy like me and it goes back to new romantics the dancing metaphor reminded me
3: of um Shake it off from 1989, where she says, "I'm dancing on my own. I make the moves up as I go," and that's what they don't know. That's what they don't know. And when you like think of it in the context of Shake it off, it's like, oh, she's quirky, and there's all the videos of her, like you know, white girl dancing at the, you know, award shows that she goes to, which she is a very white girl dancer. I love that for her, embrace her culture, queen. Um, but I think that like. thinking of her dancing references and, like, the bigger picture, you know, at, at, like, throughout her discography, I think, definitely lends itself to her talking about, like, especially in the 1989 er era, um, and a lot of the songs are about, like, closeting and, like, just kind of, like, being gay, like, for the first time for, like, a real time kind of thing. Um, and that, and that's what they don't know, you know? So there's these things where, like, she's making the moves up as she goes, but no one knows that she's just, like, figuring out what it means to be gay. And then, in all the albums afterwards, you have these dancing metaphors come up again that, like, now she knows the moves, you know? And she knows what backfires and what doesn't. Um, and so I think that that is just a very nice detail.
0: Right, and cowboy. Cowboy Like Me, she has it figured out. Like, she's, like... Mm-hmm. I've got tricks up my sleeve. I know how to handle this now.
3: It's, it's you know, old hat, you know. She's yeah. done it before, you know. And so when she has this, like, very optimistic partner who's like, it's us against the world and, you know, we can do anything. But she's already, you know, fought and been burned. She's like, these are the steps that we have to follow, you know. Um, and that's why dancing is such a dangerous thing. You know, now she knows. So, I think I think there's a, a good evolution
1: there. Yeah, I, obviously we can't get into things, but I, as far as parasocial relationships go, in this household we use title because we like are very supportive of Beyonce and Jay Z as a power couple, and Blue Ivy and her little baby siblings. Yeah. There's just a lot to think there. And, I mean, the 444 album that Jay-Z put out and, like, his amazing song about, like, how he loves his, like, lesbian, coming out late in life lesbian mom is really great. Like, talk about an actual lesbian ally as opposed to uh, he who should not be named, D-R-A-K-E, co-opting and, like, exploiting um, only, anyways, sorry about yeah. that little aside. <laughs> no,
3: I mean, I like if Taylor Swift is like my big sister, is like that's how I feel growing up with her. Like, Beyonce is like my mother. Like, she's a mother. Like, I remember, I, well, because I was in eighth grade when Self Title dropped, Sam's promo knowledge, anything. I was at lunch at the lunch tables. We're checking our, what was it, like 2015 era Instagram. And. Seeing that it had dropped oh my god it was big big news in the middle school like the world literally stops.
0: i don't know if it's carried on yet like since then well
3: the print of like taylor swift being able to drop her albums without promo you know to be able to tweet nothing's going on and then drop it out of nowhere that was, that was, like, not done before, Beyonce. like, you have to get to Beyonce's level, and there's such a history of respect that Beyonce and Taylor Swift have had for each other through everything, um, that, like, real recognize real, a hundred percent, and I think that that really shows, like, I feel like Taylor Swift knows that she's able to have the pop career that she has because of the people that she follows, and... Beyonce is definitely one of them, and it's very, like, respectful. Like, blissful. even when
2: Kanye had, you know, grabbed the mic from Taylor and whatever, and she was, like, 19, just won that mm-hmm. award, backstage when Beyonce was, like, in tears over that, like, that's crazy yeah. to me. Like, and they've just been side-by-side side for their careers this whole time. Like, wild. Fucking wild. Anyway. And,
3: like, that's what I mean, is that, like, through everything, like, even when they are supposed to be like, pitted against each other, seen as, like, you know, the pop rivals and everything, they've, uh, both of them have never really played into that, like, they're both at the top of their field, because they know that they can do what they came to do, and they do it, and they respect it, like, it's very real, recognized real. One thing that I love about you know, Beyonce and Taylor Swift in particular is that, like, being a fan of one of them isn't mutually exclusive in the way that other artists at the top, you know, very popular artists seem to be mutually exclusive, like, you're either, like, a Barb or, you know, a Cardi stan or whatever, you know, or something like that, but you can talk about Beyonce and Taylor Swift in the same sentence and, you know, no one is gonna, like, yeah, and you should if 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 we're getting down to it, you know, and it's It's a sleigh. Yeah. I forgot how it got onto Beyonce, but (laughs) amazing.
0: No, but you're right. Reputation could never have had the impact that it did have as a surprise drop or without Beyonce. Folklore. Starting that. Folklore, you mean. Well, no, Reputation too, just because of how she did like the blackout on social media and like all of that was like very much Mm. mirroring Beyonce's rollout. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, it, really? I mean, that's very... Wow. Yeah, and that's actually a lot more accurate because the drop for Beyoncé self-titled is was with all the music videos. Like, we got the track list every single week. Me- so, people had to, like, shoot these music videos. People were working on this album, and not a single leak What. Would- And who was doing that before that? No one. Everyone had,
0: like, set release dates for everything, and three months in advance was like, look forward to this date, and this is what's gonna happen. And now we have Taylor just literally, we expect her to just drop shit out of nowhere now. That would have never happened pre-Beyonce doing the surprise drop.
3: Especially with, like, that was, like, with the rise of social media, where social media was really integral. To promotion, and then Beyonce does it without promotion, and then the billboards, at least in Los Angeles for the album, just said Beyonce. And everyone just knew that something was happening. Like, because it was self titled. So there wasn't even an album name to look. Like, if you wanted to know what was happening the day that it dropped, you were just Googling Beyonce. And then, boom, you got hit with a full album, all the music videos, movie, like, bus, another tour, another plane, club, another club. Like, it was all at once and then because of that I feel like the only artist that I can think of who has successfully done it since Beyonce is Taylor Swift like I don't even think other girlies could even try to attempt it like they could but it wouldn't be you wouldn't be record-breaking in the way that Beyonce and Taylor Swift are able to just drop something and within 24 hours it's breaking records like just no one else can do that you
0: know and you know what? Speaking of bi lighting, we didn't even talk about this for Sunny's Dress Little Analysis. The fact that Taylor used bi colored lighting mm. and dedicated the performance to Loey Fuller, who is a bisexual dancer, which I've actually read online that she was actually lesbian. Yeah. And most of the articles say that she was bisexual, but she was actually lesbian. Um, Few and
2: many understand. I mean,
0: I mean right. <laughs> so it goes.
2: Too many. It's not few will understand. It's many too, will understand, many understand <laughs> the implication.
0: I do just want to mention the I loved you in spite of deep fears that the world would divide us. Why are you so scared that the world's gonna divide you and your boyfriend Taylor? A Um and then B. Can we dance through an avalanche? It's giving very much. You and you two are dancing in a snow globe round and round. And that snow globe, like, gets shaken up and dropped. And um, an avalanche is now occurring. Um,
1: Oh, my God. Madison. You are killing it with the snow metaphor. She still remembers
0: the first fall of snow, too. And how it glistened as it fell. But... um,
1: and then it became an avalanche.
0: Um, and then this little like Ugh. Titanic reference is kind of a sleigh, too. I'd kiss you as the lights went out, I'd hold you as the water mm-hmm. rushes in, um, swaying as the room burned down. It's um yeah, what is her getting out it if not them just just holding each other as that avalanche happened, I guess. How she would have feared it happening. Mm-hmm. Um I don't really have much to say more about Dancing With Our Hands Tied just because it is super gay and it's like dress where it's just like, the girls that get it get it, the girls that don't don't, and I'm sorry to those girls that don't get it.
3: I chose Gorgeous. Um, Slay. Slay. So we're not really going any less gay. I don't, I, like, it's, I don't think there's a song we you can choose with reputation and be like, I think this really lacks in gayness. Like, I'm trying to think they're just all gay. They're just all so gay. Um, and one thing is I also pulled it up on Genius, and I was going to mention it, um, but Sunny also mentioned it in their analysis. Immediately, it's attributed to Joe (laughs) Alwyn. Like, the first, I think, yeah, the, uh, so there's, like, the gorgeous where it's kind of, like, the edited intro line, and then If you click on the first line for, um, first one, it says, you should take it as a compliment that I got drunk and made fun of the way you talk. And the first, like, genius annotation says, Taylor has dated several European men, Joe Allen, her boyfriend, as of this song's release. And that's the first two lines. And I'm just like, lame, lame as hell. Like, not only do I just think that it's, like, not correct, but so unimaginative. Like, you're talking about Taylor Swift here, put some goddamn respect on her name, you know? Like, even if you are a, a, a Joe shipper, like, I'm not, you know, against Joe Allen personally, whatever. But don't be, like, the only person that she's ever made fun of, talk while drunk, you know, at a party or something, is one of her several Europe- European boyfriends. Madison wrote in the chat, um, the audacity for them to assume Taylor wouldn't make fun of the way a man talks while sober. And exactly. I think sober mocking is for men. Drunk mocking is for the girlfriends. And you can quote me on that. (laughs) 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 I, I have been in that situation. And you do. And, you know, I'm... Again, there are certain people who could be named. I'm not going to necessarily name, but there certainly is video evidence proof of Taylor Swift making fun of the way some people talk. And if you want to do your independent research on that, I highly encourage it. Um, You should think about the consequence of your magnetic field being a little too strong. And this line in verse one reminded me of um, Lover when she says the... um, magnetic force of a man, I take this magnet. Yeah, in the, in the bridge, um, which, you know, we, if you listen to, uh, the Lavender Menace episode where I talk about love, you hear me passionately defend the bridge of this song and the language of magnetic field, um, and I, I, I do think this is, this is the, um, m- more gay evidence. I really just want to talk about how, like, everything, is accredited to a man in this song, but the lyrics are so gay, um, and it kind of adds to the secrecy that you guys were talking about in your previous episodes of like you have to get drunk to make fun of the way they talk, and when we're together and you know the night is you know we've spent a couple hours together like your magnetic field like I'm getting I'm my ability to keep those boundaries of just being besties starts to get harder to keep up like you're. The, the attraction is going too long and i can't like repel those forces i think it would because sunny madison and i all love the songs they're talking about no i think it'd be funny if you talked about a song that you didn't <laughs> like i think that would be like, renaissance fun...
0: so you just want katie to talk about this is why we can't
3: have those things because I wanna, I wanna see that Virgo placement dis- go bullet by bullet point of why they don't like the song, even though I like it. Like that's not gonna change, but I want the entertainment value of Katie talking about a Taylor song that she doesn't like. I think that's just be fun. absolute critical
0: thinking
3: analysis. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. Because I'm like blinded by the gayness. I'm mm. blinded by the
1: Sagittarius placement. I want to know. The the tea. I I, I want to You know what, Renaissance, you're really pushing me. I think you're, I think you win. I think you win. I actually
0: would love to hear Katie's, like, critical thoughts about, like, a song. Because I feel like Katie's so sweet and, like, so good at really looking at the positives. Like you said, the Sagittarius, almost, of, like, Mm -hmm. the optimism and the bright side. But like, let's
3: hear
1: my Katie's- cancer ascendant. Yeah. Actually, yeah,
0: exactly. Let's hear Katie's Virgo moon pick it apart. Yeah, okay,
3: like- bitch, you're really. <laughs> and <laughs> with the the whole like hard shell versus like the soft inside, I want I want that hard shell to get you know put up a fight. Let's see it go for you yeah. know, uh, for me. My Sag placement is I'm a Sagittarius Mars. Yeah, so. Taylor being a Sagittarius and then writing this is why we can't have nice things really like speaks to me <laughs> in that way. In the in the, aggre- in the kind of <laughs> Madison is like nodding <laughs> their head furiously. It's like, yeah, this is all making sense. <laughs> so like in in the way that Taylor writes like other Sagittarius anthems, like this is my Taylor Swift Sagittarius anthem. And so I really want to hear like the other perspective on it. You know,
1: <laughs> I I cannot believe you're Mars is in Sagittarius. Talk about combat ready for combat. For real.
3: <laughs> Within, I'm in Aries Sun, Aries Venus, and then a Sagittarius Mars. Who's scared? We're all scared. <laughs> Going on to the rest of verse one. Um, I got a boyfriend. He's older than us. He's in the club doing I don't know what. I think, again, Um kind of talks about what I said earlier about the compassion that she has for her possible queer exes um or queer people that she's loved deeply in any combat in any aspect of her life but then when it comes to men men that we could probably more clearly pinpoint as to who who the he is in the club doing I don't know what is she's like fuck him <laughs> like I don't mind not on the man at all. The guy that won't give me credits on songs that I helped him write and produce. Yeah, he's in the club doing not good shit because I'm not there. So what are you up to? Um, You're cute. (laughs) Like that to me is, I I love it. I love her misandry era. Um, And I love the fact that like, I have a boyfriend who's older than us. Like she's obviously not with him. Like, and then Taylor Swift basically saying, I truly do not spend that much time with him in a song titled Gorgeous that's clearly about someone else, I think is, like, w- whatever side you're on in the whole Gaylor thing. This moment, very, very bearded. Very, very bearded pronouns. Oh, also the, like, you're so cool, hate me so much. Up at the end of verse one, I can't remember if it's in our collab on The Lavender Menace or if it's just because I genuinely listen to the archers, (laughs) but, oh, it was, it was when you're talking about Gold Rush and, um, which we also bring up where she like, I don't like a Gold Rush and all these things. You're so pretty and cool and funny and everyone likes you. And that's why I don't like you because like, no. And basically she's just like, you're, I like you so much. That's why I don't like you which, if you will indulge me just for a moment, does remind me of Evelyn Hugo and Celia St. James, my beloveds, because when Celia comes to set, Evelyn Hugo's like, I'm not gonna like her. Like, she's gonna try and like, steal the spotlight. And then when they go to like, m- go to get milkshakes for the first time, Celia just has this like charm that Celia is kind of like unaware that she's able to like flirt her way, you know, and use that to navigate the world. And Evelyn already has that like and that's why she kind of like, likes but doesn't like Celia. Going into the pre-chorus of uh, whiskey on ice, sunset and vine, you ruined my life by not being mine. First of all, two streets in Los Angeles, in Hollywood specifically, and you ruined my life by not being mine? Listen, I can only say Evelyn Hugo and Celia St. James so many times. It's written, okay? Don't shoot the messenger. I'm like, the Taylors connected. They had to have talked, conversed, communicated in some way, shape or form. Like either Taylor Jenkins Reid was listening to the music while right, like, at the same time, there's an overlap here. The chorus, you're so gorgeous, I can't see anything to your face, because look at your face. Which also, like, she is one of the best songwriters ever. And she is so infatuated with just simply looking at this person that she can't even think of a second line after I can't see anything to your face. She like, not, no metaphor, no reference. She's just, like, oh, oh, look at your face. Like, how am I supposed to stay composed look at yourself it's hard to say something to someone's face
0: when they're wearing nothing but a robe you know
3: exactly it's hard so you make me so happy it turns back to sad which that line this song is so cutesy right the the first verse she's drunk she's making fun of the way she talks she's like you're so cool i'm not supposed to like you but because you're so cool and look at your face i'm obviously having a hard time not falling in love with you, even though I have a boyfriend who's doing fucking whatever, right? And then she gets into the next verse, you make me so happy, it turns me back to sad, which I think kind of goes into the like dancing of like, she knows how it's going to end. She knows that even though she has found possibly the one, um, reference, uh, and this person who she loves very much, she knows, even though she's going to, go into it anyway she's gonna dance with their hands tied and go to a 1975 concert with I can't remember who at the moment um that it will end poorly (laughs) you know it just basically like gorgeous I think just shows this just pure sapphic infatuation that is very much an internal dialogue that she's having of that moment where you are asking Do I want to look like this person or do I want to be with this person or do I want to be friends with this person? Like, do I want what they have in that, like, I think they're pretty so I want to look like that? Or is it like a gay, I think you're pretty so I'm getting flustered? And that kind of magic of like meeting someone for the first time and just getting to know someone and not knowing if it's because you're just hitting it off as two people or like gayness. And I think that the, you know, friends, when you meet and you're happy together, there's you don't have that impending doom feeling of when you're meeting a good, like someone that you know is going to be like a long-term friend. But Taylor, who has, you know, gone through 1989, perhaps, maybe has gone out of the woods, went through the woods, crashed, you know, had someone wake up in a hospital and, and, you know, all that stuff. Now she's like, well are you now going to be the next person in my life who I go on this super fun, amazing car ride with, and then the next thing I know, you're being whisked away off, you know? And traveling the world or whatever, being burned, or, you know, am I going to leave you in, in the motel bar? Or, you know, all of that stuff, that kind of sadness that lingers with the initial happiness. And I think that's really her, like, facing the fact of, I don't want you like a best friend (laughs) this person um, who is gorgeous. Uh, I bought this dress so that you could take it off because look at you, why wouldn't I want you to take off my dress? Um, And I think that that like the, because she's so talented as a writer and she can so succinctly and just pierce through the heart of the emotions that she's talking about and make it so applicable to so many people's lives to the listeners. The fact that this song is essentially just a collection of her being flustered and being at a loss of words for being a songwriter, just for the fact of how gorgeous and charming someone is in her life, shows how, like, just shows that infatuation. And because it's framed as a more internal dialogue of her observations of making fun of the way someone talks, and, you, you know, you should take us compliment that I can talk to everyone else in this room besides you, because... Sure, they might look nice, but they don't make they don't make me like trip over my words in the way that you do. um, I think just shows like this very sweet side of her, you know, attraction and romance in a way that's not desexualized, but isn't like you know false god like bow chicka bow wow.
0: So. Yeah. And she's not like, I'll fly you all around the world and then I'll drop you like a fly because fuck you. Like, she's literally like, oh, my God, I can't even talk to you.
3: <laughs> exactly. And it's kind of, you know, not saying that Taylor's gay or whatever, which I am. But like, it's a closeted perspective that isn't one of her really sad ones <laughs> um, of, of you know, like her previous album, that you know, nineteen eighty nine comes before reputation, and also something like, uh, "Cowboy Like Me." You know, it's it's this flirtier side of. Um, her perspective of, of being closeted that the I really impending
0: enjoy. doom is still kind and of, of there the even though like it's not sad but then it's also like yeah you make me so happy that this is gonna end bad and it turns back to sad because i can already see like
3: this it's worth it <laughs> she's <laughs> like looking run. at them and weighing the options of being like how happy can this person make me how sad will it be when it exactly and is it worth uh, the risk yeah you're still hot <laughs> yeah <laughs> like... yeah that's what it comes down to so Katie, you had
0: a little bit of a bait and switch mid mid episode. We're not we're not doing. I did something yes. bad now.
1: No. So I originally was going to do I did something bad because, as you will hear, listeners, when you listen to the Lavender Archers episode um, of Lavender Menace Pod, uh, my second favorite Taylor song that I spoke about. And again, I am adamant that that list was not like canon and or like immovable like that was just you know a list of 10 songs I really love but the song I decided to put at number two on the list was I did something bad so I was like okay today I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna analyze why I love I did something bad so much um but then Renaissance suggested that it might be very fun for me to live in my Virgo moon and instead go on a little rant, a critical rant about the only song on Reputation that I actually hate, which is this is why we can't have nice things. Um, So I'm excited to do that for you all. Uh, part of me is a little worried because I do love Taylor so much and I want her to love me. And the idea that I would be critical about any song in public does kind of scare me, but I am really just going to treat it the way that I would treat anyone that I loved if they did something that I truly saw as not good for others, as having like a bad effect on other people. Thank you so much, everyone. This is already my favorite segment of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, live studio audience. The thing is about This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. I, uh, one of the main reasons I did not like Taylor for a long time was because her most public songs are very cringy. Um, They always have these lines in them that make me feel so embarrassed, like in Shake It Off, my ex-man brought his new girlfriend. She's like, oh my god, that makes me want to skyrocket into the sun and die. Then we have You Need to Calm Down, spelling glad with two A's. Renaissance is mentioning Come Back Stronger Than a 90s trend in Willow. Now, that one I do like, but I'm a Willow apologist, as I love to tell people. um But anyway, so when I heard Look What You Made Me Do, that song, when I heard it just as like the opening single of Reputation, I was like, oh, great. She's just back at it again with like how cringy she is. And the telephone part of Look What You Made Me Do, um, is like, old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. There was a time when I hated that. Meanwhile, at this point, I want that to be on my gravestone. And this is why we can't have nice things is like absolutely like one of my favorite songs on the album. And I love, love, love it. But the one thing that has really like not grown on me the way that most every other quote unquote cringy Taylor lyric has grown on me is this song. And I really see this song as the epitome of my problems with Taylor as someone who is a white feminist, which I am for all intents and purposes. I mean, I'm 100% white and I am a feminist. Like I felt more disconnected from that phrase as I've grown older and I have seen the like harm that white feminists have done to people of color. But, I mean, there's still a lot of, like, really incredible things about feminism. And Taylor creating a song specifically about, like, the Kanye situation, which I really kind of believe this song is, feels very bad to me. Because at the end of the day, Taylor has so much more, like... Power to weaponize her like white womanness against a like very publicly mentally ill black man, and I just like do not feel good about celebrating this song in any capacity. So that said, I'm gonna really go through the lyrics and tell you like why I think as I hear it more and more. <sighs> What I still hate about it and the kind of ways that I think it could be open up for interpretation. First of all, it was so nice during big parties. Jump into the pool from the balcony. Everyone's swimming in a champagne sea, And there are no rules when you show up here. Bass beat rattling the chandelier. Feeling so Gatsby for that whole year. Like, very glib. I don't have much to say about that. Um... Why'd you have to rain on my parade? I'm shaking my head and locking the gates. Like, why did you have to write this, Taylor? Like, just I'm shaking my head. Like, that's so internet slang. Like, SMH. Like, it just oh, it makes my like skin crawl. However, in the time I've been, I've been a gayler, I have heard one of my favorite pieces of like what I consider Gaylor Evidence to be, which is the Jack Antonoff interview with Mark Marin on WTF. And um in that interview, Jack Antonoff is talking about why he feels connected to how women loving women talk about like loving women as opposed to how straight men talk about loving women. And Mark Maron says, oh, like, Taylor Swift isn't going to uh, be sexually explicit. And Jack says, no. And that's why I love working with gay women. I love working with women, particularly gay women. So as a response to, Taylor, like, mentioning Taylor Swift, Jack's mind immediately goes to, I love working with gay women in particular. And the thing about Mark Maron's WTF show... Because he immediately is like, wait, is Taylor Swift gay? Like, that's Mark Maron's response. Like, okay, so Mark Maron's podcast, WTF, begins with a clip of Mark Maron in the movie Almost Famous saying, lock the gates. In all the time I've had to really think about this is why we can't have nice things. Is this song, the first verse, like a joke call out to Jack Antonoff being like, you almost outed me on Mark Marin? And now I'm shaking my head and locking the gates. It's my turn to lock the gates now because you almost outed me. He he he. Ha ha ha.
3: But also this reminds me of when you guys were reading the folklore long pawn sessions to filth about their cheekiness about William Bowery that Aaron was not (laughs) having fun with. And Jack at the end of it is like, well, we don't know who William Bowery is. It's like, Mama, you're the one who was out of Taylor Swift on the number one podcast. Yeah. And you were saying that you don't know who William, we don't know who William Bowery is when for the past five minutes he just said that it was Joe Alwyn. Yeah. You can't exactly. lock the gates now. So maybe he was like, oh, but we still have to keep the gates locked because we don't know who, who William Bowery is, even though they just said. So maybe it has become like an inside joke between them because of, of, Jack, he, him, lesbian, almost outing, um, Taylor Swift, he, they, bisexual, so, and Aaron is just like, yes, let's talk about the album, please, (laughs) he's just like there in the chair, like, rocking in the fetal position, while Jack (laughs) and Taylor are giggling,
1: I I obviously like yeah I really I know that they have that relationship and so my like head for this is that this is like a very silly song uh, like referencing like that silly silly thing the fact that this is well I mean but then the thing is we go right into verse two it was so nice being friends again there I was giving you a second chance but you stabbed me in the back while shaking my hand and therein lies okay this fucking line And therein lies the issue. And therein lies the issue. (laughs) Like, why? Why is she writing this? Friends don't try to trick you, get you on the phone, and mind twist you. Like, what? (laughs) And yes, I do say it that way every time. Let's go Founding Fathers. Like... (laughs)
3: I think it's funny that I love all the lyrics that Katie hates, and Katie hates all the lyrics that I love, and so it's so funny hearing the contrast. Please
1: please continue. I'm, I'm obsessed. And so, like, uh, uh, get you on the phone and mind twist you, that can only refer to her conversation with Kim and Kanye, and, like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Like... I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. It just, it, it I, I just, like, I understand that they, like, both sides have their issues. Like, I understand that Kanye doing the, like, wax figure of Taylor Naked in that video is fucked up. Like, I do think that that's fucked up. And at the same time, I'm, like, I just, like, black people are, like, so hated and threatened in this country all the time. And, like, Taylor cannot act as though she exists in a vacuum. Like, she just can't. Her actions, like, have consequences. And, like... Fueling hatred towards black men is like not something that's a white woman's job right now. Do not like create just more systems of white woman victimization. Obviously, like I have so many issues with Kanye, but like I in my dreams, in my wildest dreams, she, Kanye and Justin Vernon will like has somehow like form a healing like space where... They can all be like mentally ill and healed together and create beautiful music together. And I will say that the big other thing that's transformed how I thought about it is that this is a track 13 and her track 13s are typically directly about family. And I think that like Lizzie's interpretation of this song is kind of like the Kanye situation and referencing the Kanye situation is a bait and switch and like she kind of had to include that for the public narrative aspect lizzie thinks that this song specifically because it's a track 13 and because she gives a shout out to her mother that this is a song about her father lizzie immediately was like i bet this is why we can't have nice things is something her dad would say to her in the not
3: mansion of
1: course they can't have nice things because exactly. they, they don't grow live up in a shack. Mansion. Well,
3: they don't
2: have <laughs> it nice tab- things. It was
3: tabletop bills.
0: There's
2: bills of to bills
3: pay. On the kitchen table, okay. They're not living in a mansion. There wasn't. Here with it wasn't a
2: gated shoes,
0: community. The gates are metaphorical
3: because it wasn't still, a mansion. Exactly. It was literally a chain link fence in the middle of rural Pennsylvania <laughs> without a mansion and a ranch. Okay, so. Mm-hmm let's let's uh, you know keep in mind the humility that taylor swift grew up right with. context matters yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah. <laughs> As you, I, can't, I just love bullying taylor right. Swift. But for me i think especially when we get a glimpse in miss americana of her talking about wanting to be a good girl and those pats on the head and so i definitely think mm-hmm. that growing up she is her yeah. even when they could have nice things and they're not mansion the, being told whenever she messed up, especially as, like, a kid, this is why we can't have nice things. And even in my family, that's, like, a joke. Like, we don't say it, like, seriously. Like, I was never punished with the saying, this is why we can't have nice things. But, like, you spill something or, you know, you drop something and you say, this is why we can't have nice things. Um, uh, keep in mind, my mom's yeah. also Sagittarius, so that might <laughs> add some context. But, um, and so I think her taking this song that I, I, I'm of the, the sect, of the Taylor Swift religion that this song is about her team and her dad um, is taking a line that her dad probably told her growing up and then now her kind of being his employer flipping it over and being like, here's to my mom, F you dad, this is why we can't have nice things. And I think also talking about her being a prophet, um, her dad was on not on her side when she was trying to get her recordings back and so I think this song being kind of directed to her dad I mean like this is why we can't have nice things and this is why my mom gets you know gets to speak in the documentary gets the nice framing that's the that's why she's the only friend that I talk to when I win and is always and the only one who doesn't believe everything because you are just in it for the money you have patriarchal values which is why I want me to be like Bing (laughs) Crosby you know and and all those old old men and that is exactly why we can't have I was having a party I was having a blast I was in my Gatsby era and you came along and you're trying to keep me in the closet and so now because of that we can't have nice things and I think that like I'm not trying to say like as a black person being like taylor swift okay. you know like trying to create this about kanye i don't think that cool. that's a thing but also like there's ev- like there's videos of uh, a kanye concert when all this is happening of his entire crowd screaming fuck taylor swift over and over and over again yeah. um yeah and kanye's fan base is like notoriously very um notoriously very misogynistic um and sexist, and definitely, like, weaponized that against Taylor. So anyways, I just want to add that, like, I think that, like, this song, not the best look, but, like, it's not like there weren't people, like, w- other white people, like, white male Kanye mm-hmm. stands against Taylor Swift. Of course.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's really hard to let go of the kind of, like, years and years of, like genius interpretations of what these words mean yeah. and media interpretations
3: when reputation and I was like in my anti-Taylor Swift phase you know I definitely saw this song as like about Kanye and you know I saw the whole album as about Kanye or you know like the more aggressive songs um I don't think Gorgeous was about Kanye <laughs> but you know all that stuff, you know, her more, like, revenge-based songs and being like, oh, she's upset and she's just trying to, like, take all this media attention for her own benefit, you know, and, and that's what this is about. Um, and then listening to it as, like, overturned Swifty Swiftie, I, you know, after having fallen in love with all the other albums, when I was listening to Reputation, Kanye didn't even come to my mind at all mm-hmm. listening to this. And I think it is one of those things where... It's like multiple layers, like there's the very public, everyone knows, you know, this, like, what is, what's the very obvious PR story, you know, where she says that, like, she writes songs for the headlines and stuff like that. She's like, if you want to write an article and make a quick buck about my beef with Kanye, here. Here's your literal yearly salary for all you gossip, you know, journalists. Now... I'm gonna write a song that when my dad listens to it, he's gonna get a shiver down his spine because he knows that his daughter hates him. Um, And I think, you know, and I think she, like, at the end of the day, Taylor Swift is a white woman. I'm never going to be someone who argues that Taylor Swift is not a white woman. So do I think that this song kind of has a, you don't even understand me, dad, and like, door slam kind of vibe to it? Yeah, like, I, I buy that. But, um, so I kind of get those right. vibes, but I do think it's like, this is why we can't have nice things. It's definitely mm-hmm. when like, you realize that the relationship that you have with your parents is an adult relationship, like you're not their kid anymore. And so you're finally able to say, this is why we can't have nice things. And, like they can't ground you for it. Like, I think that that's what it gives for me. And I think, um, her using like, uh, in the bridge where she says, um, and here's to my real friends. And the fact that that's, like, plural, I think shows, like, her team and, you know, PR managers and her dad and all those people, even when she was with her previous record, said that they had her best interest and heart. And, like, like when, when they said, like, if you come out as a Democrat, you're going to lose half of your audience, half of your listenerships. Like, that, you know, get ready to cut your concert attendance in half, right? Exactly. And, like, that was, like, coming out dot, 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 as a Democrat, um, you know, (laughs) was going to be such a huge thing. And so in this song on the bridge, she says, here's to my real friends who actually have my back, who actually care about me. You know, I think I like the song where she says, like, here's to my baby. And it says, they don't care about the he said, she said. There's no gender assigned to here's to my baby, which I find cheeky, cheeky. Um, and the he said, like, again, you know, one could take the Kanye route that it they don't care about the he said Kanye, she said, but also what my dad says, versus what I'm saying, like, dad, I'm telling you that these are my values. And you're trying to tell me that I can't voice those. Um, Oh, and he ain't reading What They Call Me Lately. So I guess she does gender. But in the end, she doesn't. And then here's to my mama. Had to listen to all this drama of her just like ranting to her mom probably about all this. And like ranting to her mom about her dad. I mean, like, mom, why is dad being such an a hole today? Um, and then, of course, laughing about forgiveness. Because why would she forgive someone who is supposed to love her and care about her protection in the future go against her and her trying to own the things that she created? Um, so nice. That was just my interpretation. I, I appreciate your perspective of it, because I definitely think that, like, for her listeners that don't have the critical thinking, the listeners that don't pay attention to what Taylor Swift is saying, I see now how this could be a more dangerous song, because not everyone, like, thinks about Taylor Swift in the way that we do, and so I, I do yeah. see that cultural impact, but I think it's one of those things where because she's so used to scheming and having multiple meanings to things and having the audience, the obvious go-to versus what she's actually writing about. This is one of those things where I think definitely like as just a white woman and playing the PR game, maybe this wasn't like the most, like it was a little bit tone deaf in that way. Um, at the same time, she, like, she was getting like hella hate, you know? It's like, it's not good. And I think like maybe going after- Kanye Swift when he, he, or Kanye Swift, I'm so sorry, Kanye, Kanye West. Swift <laughs> that <laughs> Kanye was so Swift! awful, as, uh, you know, as, uh, as a definitely mentally ill, like, black man isn't great, but I also think that that wasn't, his mental health wasn't as big of a forefront in the conversation at that time as it has become post that album, um, because there's really something that came out, I mean, I guess it maybe was, because it was when he was, like, running for president. No, but that was in twenty twenty, right? Then he ran for president or
1: was that in I used to be like a huge, huge Kanye fan. Like like that's mm-hmm. really what kind of prevented me from loving Taylor was like how much I was on team Kanye. Mm-hmm. Um and i will say that so like for like devotees of him at the time like he was pretty open about his mental illness and his like mm. attempted suicide after his mm. mother passed yeah so that like is true. that was a, a somewhat a, but it like no of course he hadn't released his bipolar album in, yet um yeah. and like just in general like back in 2015 2016 like uh, mental health wasn't spoken about really in the same capacity it is now period Mm -hmm. so yeah
3: and i think just a lot more has come out against about how the like kardashian jenner empire has treated him Mm -hmm. as well in a way that wasn't maybe as public information at this time and so you know i don't think that taylor swift wasn't thinking about Kanye at all when writing these lyrics um but like I definitely see how this was more like of a bait and switch moment that maybe like on the surface wasn't the most successful but and I I love this I think it's camp I think it's one of her like more camp songs like in in you know like a blank space kind of moment where she's kind of able to like satirize herself in a way and, like, who is, who is she actually punishing? Like, she has the same team. Her dad is still her dad. Kanye is still a very successful artist with <laughs> tons of fans. You know, like, who is she actually taking anything away from?
1: <laughs> so. I've From a very young age, I've been cognizant of the fact that when I hate someone, like, when mm-hmm. I feel, like, vitriol towards them, it's typically because I am afraid of being, like, how they are or how I perceive mm-hmm. them to be. Um. So like, you know, there's a lot of people that I know hate Taylor Swift because she's like the annoying theater kid. And I'm like, OK, well, that's probably because you're an annoying theater kid. <laughs> and so for me, I feel like literally since the moment I like was introduced to her, which was... As kind of like a pick me Who mm-hmm. was way too Like w- like as a pick me Who like was rewarded For being a white woman mm-hmm. When Beyonce should have gotten the VMA mm-hmm. I think that I've always projected mm-hmm. my own Insecurities onto her mm-hmm. And that's a very common right. Narrative that you'll hear From right. like white Women now Who like aren't gaylers but they are, like, I have admitted, like, I've realized that I do like Taylor's music. And I was just being misogynistic when, like, I said I didn't. So, like, that is a common narrative now. Um, but I'm really grateful to, like, hear your perspectives of, like, actually maybe it wasn't as big of a deal as everyone said it was. And maybe, like, the backlash that she got, like... Uh, wasn't deserved because I am really have been of the opinion that like it was deserved, and I just have to like live with the fact that someone that I really loved and admire and relate to deeply also has done something extremely fucked up. So for you to be like, maybe it wasn't as fucked up, <laughs> as, like you're making it out to be.
3: It's almost like like a like net impact type of thing, like the amount of mis- like if if. Kanye West was, like, minding his business and this was about the VMAs, like, when she was, like, 19 and then in Reputation, she decided to write a song about this is why we can't have nice things and everyone was like, why are you bringing this up again? I would see how being like, Taylor, maybe we don't have to just go after Kanye West in this way, but I think, like, because she was getting this insane backlash that... In years after it came out to be you no, know, She was telling the truth the whole time and this was a narrative crafted against her. You know, this song coming out, even if it is about Kanye on the surface, you know, and her dad or whoever, it's like, does that, is that more harmful than the wild misogyny that she got not only from Kanye, but from other men in the music industry, Kanye's fans, And people who are just observing on Twitter, you know? And, yeah, like, everyone, basically. Everyone, yeah. I mean, she's still a millionaire. He's still a millionaire,
1: so. Yes. That gets to a a root of it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so for listeners... Madison did have to leave. She had a hard out at 4.45, um, aka 10 minutes ago. You don't know what time it is when you're listening to this. <laughs> but I will very happily do the honors of thanking our wonderful guests, Renaissance and Sunny. Thank you so much for, for being on The Archers. Thank
2: you for having us. Honestly, like so yeah,
1: amazing. Like
3: genuinely, obsessed. thank you. I feel like being it thanked are. on top of this experience is, like, too much. Like, you truly really <laughs> like,
1: We were so excited exactly. and are such big fans. Like, I'm really glad that we got to do collabs, and we'll drop these episodes right around the same yes. time. So mm. when you hear this, you should be able to go on over to the Lavender Menace podcast and listen to their episode with Madison and I. Um. So where can people find you? Do you want to plug the pod and your individual's?
2: yeah sure um the podcast is at the lavender pod on twitter at the lavender menace pod on instagram and tiktok i believe and you can find me on youtube instagram twitter at a sunny book nook
3: and you can also follow the podcast on letterbox at the lavender pod i believe because we do media reviews there as well um, and the letter boxes is, is pretty fun. And then you can follow me, Renaissance, on Instagram at Renaissance Marie and on Twitter at renaissance. First e is an x. And please answer my question <laughs> about pineing. Do do straight
1: women time for men? Genuine question. Perfect, perfect. And I know at least like four straight women listen to this podcast. So you should get at least four <laughs> answers. <laughs> <anymore. laughs> Um, I'm not sure what will be out on our Patreon by the time you hear this. Um, I'm thinking that Madison and I's recap and reflection on the infamous reputation PowerPoint will be out. Um, on our Patreon so definitely we have
2: an episode on the Reputation PowerPoint oh
1: great so from
2: like season one amazing
1: so if you're not a patron go on over to the Lavender Menace podcast and listen to that one for free You can be a patron for only $5 a month. And if you cannot afford $5 a month, uh, we encourage you, as always, to go and pirate it. Make friends with other gailers that do subscribe and find their login. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you, uh, but not actually. You will hear us next time. And until then, stay, stay, stay.
3: Yeah.